the realignment twist has claimed its first victim. Good evening, everyone. I'm TJ Perry Moonvez, and welcome to Big Brother Coaches Edition. After being on the block and surviving every night since the first eviction, Lincoln's time finally ran out. He was an immediate target after serving dry brisket on night one, and Lincoln had survived vote after vote. But when told about the realignment twist, Lincoln banished himself to the have-not room, refusing to team with Nick, Jimbo, and others in the Saban squad, and volunteering to go up once again as a pawn. The House quickly band together to vote Lincoln out. Tonight, another House guest will be evicted. But first, with Lincoln out, let the fighting begin over the Rogaine he left behind. Live from the Palace on the Prairie, it's the T-Row in the Morning Show 2022 Top 25 Countdown brought to you by criminal defense attorney Carter Jennings. Get the defense you deserve with Carter Jennings Law, 405-659-7221 or visit carterjenningslaw.com. Now with today's team, here's the voice of the Sooners, Toby Rowland. That seemed like an unnecessary shot at the end there, Teach. What are you talking about? fascinating storyline though so you're telling me he made uh, uh, the house brisket on night one to try to work into their try, good to, grace. try to win them over mm-hmm. but it was dry try brisket and so they immediately put him on the block for it yeah they wanted no more of his cooking <laughs> slop will live with dry brisket cannot be tolerated and so uh yeah lincoln riley voted out Yesterday, as USC was uh, our team at number 19, um, let me just uh, rifle these off. No fight songs today, Teach, okay? I'm going to save you. All the work I did um, making sure I had them in the right order. All right, go well, you ahead. You want to play them quickly? No, 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 no I don't. No, I'd much rather you just go and give the countdown. 25, Nebraska, 24, Kansas State, 23, Ole Miss, 22, Arkansas, 21 was Tennessee, and this week we had Kentucky at 20, and yesterday USC at 19. We had Max Brown on, the former USC quarterback, now does some pre- and post-game stuff for the Trojans out there. He joined us on the show yesterday morning to talk a little USC. And at the end there, TJ apologized to Sooner fans for all the players they have stolen from us, which I thought was interesting. Which brings us to today. The number 18 ranked team in the T-Row in the Morning Show Top 25 College Football Countdown is... Sorry if your alarm was set for 740. By the way, I think Dylan Gabriel might have three years left. Doesn't he get the COVID year also? I think he's got three years left. The Texas Longhorns come in at number 18. How about that? USC and Texas on back-to-back days. We have now had a team that uh, won three games this year, Nebraska, a team that won four games last year, USC, and now a team that won five games last year, Texas, all in the top 25. Texas coming off a 5-7 and seven season. In year one under Steve Sarkeesian, a nightmare, really. They started 4-1, and one, but then the collapse in the Cotton Bowl sent their season spiraling the wrong direction. It, it as you well know, included a home loss to Kansas, DJ, last year. 
I don't remember that. They Could you lost. repeat that? What, what happened? They lost at home to Kansas. What? what? Yeah. No one loses at home to Kansas. They are, uh, they are optimistic down in Austin in the state capital of Texas in Bevo land because they did have a top five recruiting class. Tons of talent on the offensive and defensive lines. They packed the coffers of the, NF, or the NIL. They got Ohio State transfer Quinn Ewers, the nation's number one recruit a couple of years ago. They got Quinn Ewers now at quarterback. They brought in Gary Patterson, TJ, to help out on the defensive side of the ball. Um, there is a lot of optimism going on. You hear that, Piglet? Not Piglet happy is not happy that. with you having Texas at 18. Texas is at 18. She's not a Longhorn. You know, she walks around. Does We taught her how to do the horns down with her paws. It's adorable. I'll have to send you a picture sometime. Um, the offense was good last year. Casey Thompson was hot and cold. <laughs> but uh, obviously they have a Heisman contender at running back in Bijan Robinson, who's a star. They have Xavier Worthy back, who had a phenomenal freshman season at wide receiver. Uh, Jordan Whittington also back at wideout. Very good year last year. They went and got a six foot three transfer from Wyoming, pass catcher Isaiah Neor, Neor, who had 12 touchdowns last year. They're loaded at the skill position. The question is who's going to play quarterback? I think it's going to be Ewers. Um, Hudson Card is the other option there, and we saw Card last year, and there was nothing special about him last year so i think yours is going to be the guy and we'll see whether or not he can live up to the hype texas highest rated recruit since vince young now they didn't land him but they ended up with him but he hasn't started a game in college yet former south lake carroll kid from right up the road has not started a college football game yet if he can be good um you know they should be good on offense. The the bigger question for them, though, even bigger than Quinn Ewers, is that offensive line because it was uh, not good last year. It was porous. Uh, they were able to run the ball, obviously, some with Bijan, but the pass protection was shaky at best. But they've reloaded. They've recruited well at O-line. Defensively, they were terrible last season, giving up over 31 yards a game. They gave up over 200 yards rushing a game. They brought in your boy, Gary Patterson, to try to fix things. Vion Overshone's been there forever. Very good linebacker. He's still there. But the front seven, other than him, big-time question mark. They do not know exactly who the playmakers are going to be for them up front. New faces on the back end as well. They went and got Ryan Watts uh, from Ohio State as well. He was a very good corner for them last year. Uh, Deshaun Jameson is still there. He's been a good player for them. But they're going to have to improve mightily defensively to have a chance to take great leaps. Uh, But, again, they did bring in Gary Patterson to help things out. Let's look at the schedule. They open with Louisiana Monroe, and then in week two, they welcome Nick Saban and Alabama 
to Austin. I'm going to tell you right now, Texas beats Alabama. TJ has already declared Texas will win that game. They get UTSA at home in the Big 12, home games against West Virginia, Iowa State, TCU, and Baylor. They have to go on the road in Big 12 play to face Texas Tech, OSU, Kansas State, and Kansas. And, of course, they get the Sooners in Dallas. All right, big picture here, Teach. Texas was 5-7 and seven in year one under Sarkeesian. They have really good weapons on offense. Bijan Robinson, Xavier Worthy, top of the line. Going to have to be massively better on the O-line and D-line. Quinn Ewers needs to come in and be very good for them right away at quarterback. Hard to imagine they won't be better defensively, at least you know somewhat. It can't be worse. And I think Patterson will help him out on that side of the ball a little bit. Uh, they got to play Bama in non-con. They got to play OU. They got to go on the road against Tech and OSU and K State. I mean, they're not going to be five and seven, but I think they could be a seven or an eight win team this year. You've got to have them at least at high if they're going to beat Alabama. I'm assuming you're going to say this is too low for Texas. But let's see. Texas at 18, too high, too low, or just right? I'm going to tell you right now, Texas beats Alabama. (laughs) I knew that that was coming. Here's my thing with Texas. I think – they will be improved from last year. How much so, I don't know. And I don't believe... I don't believe Gary Patterson was brought in without the thought of we're going to make this guy our next head coach when Sark does not work out. The special assistant to Steve Sarkeesian basically tells me, we don't believe in you already. We're bringing in a guy that uh, we do believe in that's going to be in the waiting and will be You're our next head Gary coach. Gary Patterson is the coach in waiting at Here's Texas? the thing. If they lose to Alabama, they go on the road in that fourth week and lose to Texas I'm Tech, going to tell you right now, Texas beats Alabama and struggles against West Virginia or loses at home to West Virginia, I think Gary Patterson is the head coach of the Texas Longhorns by the OU Texas game on October 8th. Mid-season, mid-season. That's why he's there. There's no other reason to bring Gary Patterson in other than we don't believe in you, Steve Sarkeesian. They got Arch Manning. They can't fire him before Arch Manning. Ah, Arch already knows Gary Patterson's going to be the guy. (laughs) That's why he. That's why he signed up. I'm torn. I'm torn because I highly respect uh, Gary Patterson. I do think he's a good football coach, which worries me about Texas. But at the same time, I think Steve Sarkeesian is such a bumbling fool that I don't know that he can overcome it. So the only way he can overcome it is you fire the guy midseason. How good Texas is going to be this year? I think you've got them slightly too low. I think they will be improved. I think... You don't have them off much from what I would put them. I would probably put them closer to 15 or so, maybe a few spots up. But I think what I see is on the back half of the season, Gary Patterson playing off of them. I respect him much more than the guy running their program right now. You think Texas would let us do our pregame interview with Gary Patterson this year <laughs> when uh, they came around? <laughs> 
reach out to the SID and say, yeah, you know what? Can we have Patterson instead of Sarkeesian? <laughs> Maybe. Maybe that's what you need to do. Imagine all the places he could recommend for us to eat down in Austin, TJ. Oh, that's great. I love talking to Gary Patterson. All right, so you say slightly too low. Slightly too low. I'm going to tell you right now, Texas beats Alabama. Right, that's coming up soon, TJ. <laughs> Week two of the season. We're about to find out. Friend of the show, Craig Way, Texas play-by-play voice, joins us at 8.30 this morning. We'll talk more about the nation's number 18-ranked team in our countdown, the Texas Longhorns. We'll be back. Holy mackerel! We welcome in now my counterpart in Austin, the voice of the Longhorns, the great Craig Way. Good morning, Craig. Hey, how you doing, T-Row? Good to visit with you. I'm doing good, man. I'm doing. It's almost that time, Craig. One month. One month. Uh, you know that. Um, you know what that holy mackerel call is from, don't you? Yeah, I do, and I'd rather not relive it. I'd rather. Well, not I wondered. I, I wondered why you guys were playing that thing, given given you know the game that had happened and the way that it ended. I I just kind of wondered about that, but holy uh, mackerel! Yeah, yeah, that's that was, Matt Coleman uh, banking in that three pointer at the Lloyd Noble. I, I, I told you not <laughs> to talk about it, Craig. We know we know where it came from. That was great. Well, you keep playing oh, it. That's a great... <laughs> it's good to visit with you again. <laughs> um, let's talk a little Texas football. Uh, we're we're sure. getting set for training camp starting and all that kind of stuff. It's going to be Quinn Ewers, right? We got a battle here, or is it going to be Quinn Ewers? Well, it was that question was put to Sark yesterday. He had this kind of state of the team uh, fall camp opening press conference, first day of practices today, and um, really and truly, Toby, I think the genesis of it goes back to when spring drills were going on. Sark was very, very adamant in pointing out uh, that during the spring, he said, "I don't want to name a starter. I want," he said, "I." personally expect this thing to be a competition for a while. And so then I asked him a couple of weeks ago when I saw him down at the coaching convention, uh, I said, you didn't want a starter to be named at that time on purpose. He said, well, I wasn't going to be ridiculously stubborn about it if, if uh, you know, if one guy was that clearly that far ahead of the other. And he wasn't talking about just, you know, uh, Quinn Ewers over Hudson Card. He was saying if it was vice versa. He said, I wasn't going to – I was prepared to say it if somebody was that far ahead. He said, but I didn't expect that to be the case. That hadn't been the case. And he pretty much echoed that yesterday. But he has said he would expect to have a decision quicker, certainly than last year when it came down to Hudson Card and Casey Thompson going all the way down to the final week of camp before the start. I think he's expecting this to happen over the course of the week uh, to next 10 days. Now – Somebody asked him for a date, and he said, I'm not going to give you an exact date because you guys will hold me to it. If, if it takes a little longer in the process, well, you said you were then. If it's a little quicker, well, you said you were going to wait till then. He said, uh, he said, I have a date in my mind, and I'm going to think it's probably somewhere around mid-camp, probably within the next two weeks. But he, what he did do, Toby, was to outline the differences between the two. He said... When yours is still getting comfortable with the system, an entirely new system, and Hudson Card is just trying to make 
you know, make progress on where he was last year when he started several games for them. So I think he said they're kind of in their own worlds about what they have to do to improve. Now, having said all of that, from looking at string drills and, and what the players have kind of hinted at over the summer, I think Quinn's in the lead. No question about that. But they're, they're, they're keeping it close to the best right now. Let's set him aside. Um, uh, freshmen or transfers, who are the most exciting new additions that you think have a chance to be difference makers for them this year? Well, they're... And that was another thing Sark said after the final game of the year last year, uh, the win over Kansas State and the season's over and they're done at 5-7, and seven, he said there will be new faces in here next year. And at the time, he said there could be anywhere from 30 to 33 new faces in there. Well, it's actually 35 uh, that, that, it, that it could be. And I think they've got, you know, you, you mentioned freshmen with some of the guys uh, that they have coming in on the offensive line. They need help. As you know, the, the, the two real need areas, as much as anything else, were going to be offensive line and then in the linebacking and, and defensive front. I think those were the areas, and they've got some young guys that will make a difference on that, but I think they've become uh, you know, a, a, a quite a bit more dangerous on the receiving end. We, we saw last year uh, what could happen with Xavier Worthy, and he had a, a freshman All-American season, but uh, to be able to add a couple of other pieces, uh, some freshmen, the Wyoming transfer, I think that all of those things, it, it's going to be interesting to see how the mix goes, and then, Toby, on top of all that, can Jordan Whittington make it through a season healthy? Because when he's been out there, he's been really dangerous. But the problem is they just haven't been able to keep him healthy since he's come to the University of Texas three years ago. You know, 5-7 uh, and seven last year, there are preseason top ten predictions, maybe even some college football playoff projections this year for Texas. For them to take that leap forward, that's a big gap there. What has to come together in your mind for these guys this year? Well, that's a quantum leap, I'll, I'll tell you that, uh, Toby. And I, and I don't think anybody down in these parts has, has gone quite that far with it. I, I think most of the folks feel that this is a team that can certainly win eight or nine ball games and maybe uh, really have a realistic shot, depending on what they do early in the season and how healthy they stay to con- contend and compete for a Big 12 title. But, uh, you know, those are pretty lofty things. I, you know, I, I don't see them right now here on August 3rd as being quite ready for those kind of accolades. They've, they've got a lot of work they've got to put in. Uh, that said, they do have a lot of talented pieces. And, and I mentioned some of the ones we talked about on the offensive side of the football, and I didn't even mention B. John Robinson, obviously. And then, and then on the defensive side of the football, I think they're hoping that if DeMarvian Overshone uh, can play like he did two years ago and, and be healthy again completely all the way through. He can be a big factor as well. Those things have to happen in order for them to even be in the conversation for those type of things that you just laid out there. How, what's all the talk about Bama coming to town? What's the scuttlebutt down there? Lots. Uh, there's, there's a great deal uh, of conversation. I'll give you an example of it, Toby. Uh, the Longhorns open the season on September 3rd, like some of the others. And then, of course, Alabama will, will be here on September 10th. Well, 
there was a an alumni event, uh, Sark and uh, and Chris Beard, the the men's basketball coach, and Duke Schaefer, the women's basketball coach, and I. Uh, we were doing kind of this uh, Texas Exus Texas Fight Tour thing, where we were getting around the different parts of the state and visiting with alumni groups. And we did it in Midland, and we did it in Dallas, and in Houston, and then it also took place in San Antonio and Fort Worth and Tyler. And and we got to Dallas. This wasn't in, in Midland or Tyler or something. This was in Dallas. Uh, and I was seeing the thing, and I said, you know, folks kept asking questions of Sark about Alabama and this and that. And I finally said, okay, here we go. Rapid fire, quick quiz. Who can tell me who the Longhorns open the season against on September 3rd? And there were about 300 people in that room, and I think three people raised their hands and said, yeah, it's Louisiana Monroe. So, you know, everyone is really uh, concentrating on on Alabama, although Sark and the staff obviously are getting guys ready for Yale Monroe when they come in. But there's a great deal of excitement about it. I don't think there's any doubt. Now, I will tell you this, too, and this is going to ring a bell and probably we were talking about touching a nerve uh, earlier. This will touch a nerve certainly with, with Sooner fans. The deal that there are a lot of Texas fans unhappy because that kickoff is, wait for it, 11 a.m. And, and we know what that meant to, to Oklahoma fans with, with uh, the Sooners having to play Nebraska with that 11 a.m. kickoff. And Texas fans, and I think Alabama fans as well, are not happy about that. But we know how television is directing a lot of those decisions, in fact, the vast majority of those decisions. So that's why it's an 11 a.m. kick. So that's brought about a lot of conversation as well, although I think that's probably died down now. People have just kind of, you know, they're, they're biting their lip and, 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 you know, accepting it and dealing with it. Uh, last question, Craig. What, um, how much is Gary Patterson involved? What do you see as his role? Well, he's definitely involved in terms of a lot of the preparation that, that putting into the season in terms schematically and things of that nature. Um, Pete Witkowski, defensive coordinator, was asked about it yesterday, and he said he's just another valuable source that we have in preparing this football team. And I think Gary, in similar context, I've visited with him a couple of times. Uh, he's, he's very relaxed and excited about it, enjoying, as he says, just doing cut-ups, breaking down tape, all that kind of stuff. He's, he's really enjoying that coaching side of just the coaching part of it and just being a coach and not so much worrying about all that CEO stuff and the management and uh, of a roster and, and uh, press conferences and all that other kind of stuff. I think he's truly enjoying being able to get back to X's and O's because so many of those guys, as you know, that that's what they are at their core. They're, they're X and O guys, and, and, and Gary's one of those guys. But he's been, he's been a lot of fun to be around early on and, and really seems to be enjoying his duties. Craig, appreciate it. It'll be here before we know it. Uh, you and I will be sitting side-by-side side in uh, Dallas before we know it as well. Thanks for your time today, buddy. Be safe. You know what? I got a, I got a Facebook, a Facebook uh, one of those deals about looking back thing. And it was from, I think, eight years ago when you and I were sitting in the middle of the Cotton Bowl playing uh, paper football there. And the I thought, oh, eight commercial. years ago. You know, I was looking forward to that for the Pizza Hut commercial. Absolutely. So it put a smile on my face thinking about it with that very, very hot day we had at the 50-yard line on the field of the Cotton Bowl. It'll be here before we know it, as, as you said. 
we obviously moved a lot of pizza for him because they've never asked us back to do it again. So obviously that was a failed advertising <laughs> campaign for Pizza Hut. Yeah. Craig, thanks, buddy. Take me here. All right. Take care, Timo. See you, bud. All right. Craig Way, voice of the Longhorns, Texas at number 18 on our countdown. We'll take a break. My playing partner from last night's showdown at the trails, Chris Plank, joins us to wrap it up next. 